Welcome back to Sivispatium. In today's episode, we discuss recent developments in eastern Ukraine. As you may probably heard, there is some troubling news uh, coming from eastern Ukraine. It seems that uh, the civil war uh, has very intensified there, and Russia moved uh, around 15,000 troops to the region close to the border with Ukraine. And in general, situation is pretty heated, and um, people... Uh, discuss a lot whether the war uh, is possible or some sort of like military operation uh, from Russian side or maybe Ukrainian side. So in this episode we discuss this topic and try to go uh, dig a little bit deeper and uh, look how the situation has been in the making for a while and uh, what we can expect uh, from uh, Ukraine, NATO, Russia and just in general what is the situation all about. Uh, so if you enjoyed this episode, share with your with friends, subscribe to our channel, and as always, enjoy. So welcome back to Service Pacha. Hello again. And in today's episode, we're going to discuss some recent developments in Ukraine, in particularly in uh, the border between Russia and Ukraine and just like the whole situation around there. Um, and I guess it's interesting because like, first of all, we almost predicted it in terms of we always, I always, uh, at least from my side, always said that I expect some escalation to happen there. It's kind of obvious when you monitor Russian news media space, uh, they kind of gave a lot of hints that something similar would happen. And also, as a lot of like also analysts uh, point out, escalation has been kind of happening a while now, maybe since even the beginning of the pandemic or something like this um, which basically means um, that yeah um, I guess escalation was almost inevitable and you also see all this like in peace initiatives like Minsk they basically don't work and that's what we have now kind of a little bit uh, very heated moment I guess in in history <laughs> so to speak is so blah, blah. Um, I guess um, yeah, it's just uh, basically the whole fuss is about Russian dislocation of troops to the region. They dislocated additional 15,000 troops. Uh, I guess like almost post-factum they announced that those troops are for like um, military exercises reasons, just basically for trainings, which is like, you know, on the one hand, like a lot of Western experts argue whether it's just a signaling or whether it's like a real intention, because, you know, if it's a real intention, there is no need for, for it to be so um, media. It doesn't need to be, yeah, so with such a media pomp, pomp uh, with such a media pomp that Russia does it. On, but on the other hand, it's still kind of like intentions are very unclear. And maybe it's like maybe similar to, for example, invasion uh, uh, in uh, 2008 of Georgia when they basically prepared it for a while and everyone knew that was coming, but they still didn't believe that Russia could do it. So, like, I mean, what's, what are your thoughts, Vava, uh, on this situation? So what we're seeing is, uh, as usual, is both sides of the conflict, which is Ukraine and Russia, they accuse each other of escalation. Uh, we probably cannot really judge where are the lies and where are the truths right now, but the uh, 
at the moment, the situation is like this. The Russians accuse the Ukrainians of putting troops in places where they shouldn't have put troops, according to the truces that were signed. Um, there are some indications that that's true, but those intentions weren't necessarily any uh, intentional uh, operation on the uh, part of the Ukrainians. They probably just messed up. Uh, but anyway, the... Um, so-called like republics in Donetsk and Lugansk, etc. They accuse Ukraine of preparing for a full-scale invasion. So that's why they uh, basically seek help from Russia. And yeah, as everybody knows, only Russia recognizes those republics as a, as a sovereign states. And they say that yeah, if Ukraine is going to invade them or do anything against them, we will just have to provide like humanitarian assistance and to stabilize the region. So uh, it's basically what we're seeing since 2014, but it's getting more and more heated. Uh, the, those republics in the eastern parts of Ukraine, they have introduced some very stark uh, draft measures, drafting people into the army. Uh, Russia is moving troops to Crimea and to the borders, eastern borders with Ukraine. Um, so people, yeah, as you said, people are not sure if it's just a show of force or a show of intentions. And what I think personally that Russia might be doing is sort of they will try to like legalize their presence in eastern Ukraine. So what I mean is um, currently there are troops, uh, supposedly Russian troops, which are not officially Russian troops. So they have their uh, insignia removed from combat vehicles and from uniforms. Uh, so they're not officially Russian troops. But what I see Russia may want to do is to stir up some... Mm, crisis in eastern Ukraine, where they would say, okay, the situation is very unstable, we need to move in and stabilize the region. So this will be basically a peacekeeping mission. It will not be a war of expansion or anything, but a peacekeeping operation. This is my uh, idea of the current situation. What are your, your, your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I would say the whole, I guess, idea behind Donbass and Lugansk, why they didn't become parts of the Russia uh, in the, in the contrast to I guess Crimea, I guess because like Putin, like just like Putin held this territories as kind of bargaining chip maybe with the West in terms of okay, uh, if we can kind of deal with the situation, helping return like Lugansk and Donetsk to Ukraine, but of course uh, for the exchange we need to receive the recognition of Crimea as the part of Russian territory or something like the, like this. The logic was kind of I guess similar to this. Um, then. Then we just uh, basically have an agreement and stuff like this, and that's how we should proceed. But I guess that's kind of the whole idea failed, and also Zelensky reassured, I guess, once again, uh, maybe a couple of months later, that you know, uh, territorial integrity, and he talked about he talked about also Crimea, that it's also the part of the Ukraine. So it's like the same old song, and uh, I guess the, now there is no kind of uh, path towards peace because they just they have like very different dispositions in terms of they just want very different things. And also with the like, new Biden administration that is really pro-Ukrainian, and he also reassured once again that Crimea would be part, will be part of uh, Ukraine and so on and so forth. So maybe it's just, uh, uh, as a lot of people analysts suggest, it's kind of like trying to um, understand like Biden's administration, maybe understand also Zelensky intentions, just like trying to figure things out, show, of course show force, just because Russia can. 
Uh, but again, I mean, for me, it's just it's just funny because we all understand that Russia, uh, it's not like it's not even comparable in, like their forces and size. If if Russia wants to to invade uh, eastern parts of the Ukraine, it will. I mean, it just will do it very quickly and easily because if it uses, it's like military, not like its proxy, uh, but it's like really mil- really real military uh, equipment and its um, its tanks and uh, its military personnel. But so far, I guess it's just signaling because, of course, it's really visible. And I saw messages about this like five, four, five, six days ago already uh, that they dislocating some troops to Crimea and to the border uh, with the Ukraine. So for me, I guess it's signaling, but also its idea. Uh, I guess it also just signifies that uh, it, with this kind of mindset that like you know Putin and maybe like NATO have like this like kind of it's it's the path it's a stalemate because they just don't I don't see any agreement I don't see any prospect for like a peace in, in there so it just it is what it is in terms of uh, uh, okay oh, Russia just will play around with this region and and of course there are also like maybe as you said there are also maybe violations uh, by ukrainian sides i would not be just so uh, delusional and just you know say oh it's all it's all like russia to blame I, ex- I i i think it's there is like some hatred towards like russians i mean the russians in terms of because they speak russian language like people who speak russian language on this territory is living there i think there is some hatred and nationalism uh, from like Ukrainian side, um, not maybe from Zelensky because Zelensky tries to be kind of like uh, a little bit pro-Russian as he speaks Russian and he also like lived in Russia and stuff like this. But uh, in terms of uh, the definitely some nationalists in the army or in Ukrainian government yeah. that still don't, like there is just a hatred towards like people, Russian people, like people speaking Russian, living in all those territories. Yeah, so I guess. Uh, also, it's interesting to discuss the whole, I guess, uh, uh, mess and fuss around NATO and its kind of responses, because I, I have heard that they put like their armies on high alert or something like this. Yes, this, so, so the European uh, command of the US army has been put on the highest alert, so... Yeah, also Zelensky, uh, I guess, had a conversation, a first conversation with Biden, and Biden reassured him that like the US stands for the integrity of Ukraine, for its independence and stuff like this. Also, it, can, it, it is ready to help it militarily. So what is your take, Vava, on these events in terms of how the NATO, also like signaling part by NATO countries and the US, I guess, in, in particular? So... Um Again, going back to our discussion of NATO, NATO is not a unified actor. There are different uh, interest groups and states have various interests within NATO. And uh, in terms of the US, I think this is just just as resembles the foreign policy of Biden, who views Russia as a great threat, sometimes maybe even more than China, which is sort of a departure from what Trump used to do, being best buddies with uh, Putin. Um, yeah, uh, at the same time, countries in on the eastern flank of NATO, they're obviously concerned about Russian sphere of influence moving further to the west, that is closer to their borders. Um, so... I would say that the U.S. and Eastern uh, NATO countries, they have the same agenda that is preventing any Russian uh, expansion. And even they they are for rollback of the Russian sphere of influence. It is returning Crimea to Ukraine, uh, getting the Russians out of Donetsk and Lugansk. If 
Is that possible? I don't think so. Without any major war, I don't think that's ever happening. I think we will always be in this sort of a limbo here. Uh, but what's interesting is we don't hear too many voices um, about the current Ukrainian situation from Western European NATO members. Uh, at least I didn't hear any condemnations or whatever from France or Germany. I guess they're too preoccupied with the pandemic right now. Um, but definitely Biden is committed to helping Ukraine. Uh, he reassured Zelensky over the telephone that he would do anything, well, not anything, but much that's possible to get Crimea back to Ukraine. Uh, but I see words, I see intentions, but I don't see what NATO really can do to help Ukraine. And if NATO should do anything to help Ukraine, I mean... Uh, I don't think that rollback of Russian expansion is possible right now. I think containment of further expansion is possible and necessary, but I don't see any way of getting Crimea back uh, unless, I don't know, there's some major, maybe not revolution, but some major huge domestic development in Russia itself. I don't see any external influence from NATO bringing any change here. Yeah, that's true. And that's a really good point. And also, I guess, really good point when Biden, kind of Biden says that he uh, reassures like Russia in like um, kind of military assistance, what he really means to so whether he, whether there is an escalation. Of course, like, for example, for me, if I expect escalation to happen, I think it will, it will be mainly on Eastern territories. It will not go, of course, they won't uh, conquer like Ukraine as a country. They won't like conquer Kiev. It will be just... Uh, the continuation of the civil war but with Russian help and support direct or, direct or indirect it's, it's, the, it's, the, it's for them to decide whether they want it to be visible as Russia supports or it will be the same with some like shitty Soviet uh, military artillery and technique and military equipment and it's kind of like they say it's like proxy um, and I think it's uh, it's a good point because what he means whether you know, like, you know if there is an escalation uh, Biden is ready to take risks and you know send like military equipment there because then it will be like definitely uh, seen as provocation, and I guess uh, already, okay, Putin or, or Russian state officials uh, said that if you know if they send like troops right now, it will be like a signal of escalation from the Western side. And I guess I agree with this because, uh, for, of course, Russia is like panically. I mean, it's it's really. Um, just in general fears any kind of like dislocation of Western troops needs borders. And of course, like, dislocation of troops in Ukraine will be like very, uh, will be seen as a very provocative act from the Western side. So I guess, yeah, I mean, it's all words. Um, and, but what they mean, it's really, uh, in, in this sense, I guess Biden is playing like a little bit, maybe stupid game because for example, even Obama, he kind of like said, well, we can send like, you know, them military equipment, uh, Equipment, just like in terms of uh, javelins or, or some 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 primarily military aid, so to speak, in terms of we can give them money, we can train their personnel, but that's it. You know, we cannot. It's not a NATO member. You know, we cannot really send troops there, and you know, like especially troops that will be ready to fight, like the same they do with NATO members. Yeah, um, it's and, impossible to admit them to NATO right now because they're openly at war. So. There's no, basically no military, like direct military assistance or pressure that NATO can apply to help Ukraine, just indirect logistical support and equipment support. 
so that's why kind of Baden is a little bit opaque in what he's meaning, whether he really means he will send troops in case of like uh, quote unquote invasion or just like any kind of escalation, or he is just like Biden and he just says what like you know his aides uh, suggest him to say and it's just like rhetoric and nothing else, signaling and something like this. Yeah, I guess that leads us maybe to like the last point, discuss some possible developments as i already said uh, i mean i pretty much expect maybe escalation uh, happening already and if you go through like just uh, media that specifically like on telegram writes about like donbass you can see just ukraine and these regions you can see it's been it's been a while in making it's nothing new for people who follow the news that the escalation is there um it's just something very i would say generic in terms of they everyone kind of expected it so for me if you know escalation happens as it seems like it's really dangerous situation out there because they basically kind of like at the moment they taking they basically like um shooting at each other so to speak and but they don't really escalate from in this i guess they're waiting uh another side to escalate so it's just the question of who gonna escalate first i guess russian side maybe is waiting uh some uh really strong evidence of like maybe ukrainian escalation so they can start their like kind of like their escalatory dynamic and the escalatory part but it will be mainly just i i mean i i would think um just um escalation in eastern ukraine and not like a war with ukraine itself yes so what do you think about that? i totally agree that uh, i really don't see the conflict spreading outside of eastern ukraine so uh this also gives us an answer on what is what can possibly happen so uh if we consider that eastern ukraine will be the only theater of operations for military actions here um then we see that Russia doesn't really have any way to escalate. They would have to move out of eastern Ukraine to attack, you know, Ukrainian army. So I think what needs to happen is, um, I guess, Ukrainians who are still uh, firmly committed to the idea of getting Crimea back and eastern Ukraine back, I think they need to make a move, like maybe some... Um, military operation trying to take land back uh, or even some not planned uh, incidents in the uh, along the front line then i could see russia saying okay that's it uh, ukraine is being aggressive and we need to intervene and help uh, the uh, independent separatist republics but I, russia doesn't have any way of actually starting the conflict if they don't want to move out of the region of eastern Ukraine. I think the initiative is in the Ukrainian hands. Uh, Russia has the upper hand here. Uh, so whatever developments we see in the nearest future, I think it will, they will start by Ukrainian actions. Yeah, I also think so. And I guess, as I said, I wouldn't be really delusional in thinking that, you know, Ukrainians are like uh, this, uh, just uh, what they, all that they're saying is like, you know, they're just defending their territories. And uh, I think they can be like a Ukrainian military can be very provocative at times. Uh, and also, I think it's just interesting if you compare it to at least uh, annexation of Crimea. It's just interesting that how the whole operation was 
was a covered, you know, and but I also read some reports and they basically said that Russia, at the time of annexation, Russia mobilized like 70,000 troops. So it gives you perspective that they were ready to actually a real war in case of, you know, this annexation of Crimea went, like, went wrong and NATO would attack like Russia, for example. It mobilized both like military districts, like most important, like Western military district and Western, uh, Western and Southern military districts. So basically they mobilized all troops near NATO members. Uh, and it's just interesting, it gives you, because it gives you, I guess, perspective that they, and the whole operation was covered because, of course, they no, didn't announce this mobilization. It was like, it was post-factum that researchers could get this uh, information. Uh, so now, I mean, because it's visible, of course, of course, I don't see that it's, it's they're really planning something in terms of like real military operation with the same kind of uh, magnitude as annexation of Crimea. And because of like just yeah go ahead yeah i'll also say that um it's actually in neither side's interest to escalate uh ukraine uh the only reason they would escalate is trying to regain control of their country but realistically speaking they don't have a chance against the russian military so escalating would be suicide basically at the same time russia doesn't have interest in escalating because it would completely ruin their image in, in the eyes of the world if that's if, they, if it matters at all for them uh, but they actually have what they need right now which is control of eastern ukraine even if it's not direct but through proxies um, so the only considerations um that are important here i think is domestic politics uh in the ukraine any president who would give up uh officially say okay yeah we give up eastern ukraine uh, they will be just finished politically. It's just impossible to do that, to give up this claim. So I think that any president in the future will still continue to um, to support the commitment of regaining the lands. But I don't think that any Ukrainian president would really move in this direction to to escalate there. It will be both both options are suicide, either politically or militarily. So I think we will be stuck in a limbo, even if you have some fire firefights and skirmishes. Um, the escalation would have to come from some, I think, domestic considerations, um, not really calculated decisions on the international scene. Yeah. But yeah, I, I also think, I guess, the whole situation around Ukraine, a lot of people who like really study Ukraine, I guess they can highlight the idea that this like deeply divided country in its core is through like really weird situation when like, you know, one half of a territory, they speak Ukrainian, they don't speak Russians, or they don't speak Russian, and they're really nationalistic, they're really pro-Ukraine, so to speak. In another part, they're kind of like uh, speaking Russian, they don't speak Ukraine at the same time, so it's just like weird situation, right? It's like they're very deeply divided country. Yeah. Uh, historically, because I mean, it's also like uh, because of like empires and it's very artificially created territories. Like because they were like basically two countries, meaning like uh, the eastern Ukraine was actually Russia back in the days, and western Ukraine was its own kind of country that was conquered by Russia in like 16th century. So that's the whole, I guess. The point is like really deeply divided country, artificially created like like during Soviet times and just generally after like maybe World War One. 
Yes, but it's still nothing like, I mean, Western Ukraine is definitely its own country, but Eastern territories of kind of Western Ukraine can be seen as like very artificial territories given mm. to it by kind of Soviet leaders or whatever. So it's just, it's also, it's also interesting. It's like, I guess the problem, right, runs deeper into the history, deeper into like the, like just, it's, it's a deep problem. It's not, it's not on the surface as people think, as it's just like, you know, Russian aggression. It's also actually like very problematic state and, um, that's why it's like failed state because it's just basically uh, people can't figure out you know how to govern it and what to do with it and also they have all this ethnic very very big ethnic problems and yeah. also yeah I guess it's it is what it is it will be like this as you said limbo um, but like every kind of cold like cold conflicts are very dangerous because I mean they still can fire up and that's why people kind of like afraid of it it's also maybe like just interesting the one thing maybe you mentioned that also it's happening um, at the same time as the EU is acquiring or at least tries to acquire like uh, Russian vaccines Sputnik 5 and it's just interesting maybe that's why they don't really talk a lot about it because now they need kind of like these vaccines as you said they're really preoccupied with this like basically very slow vaccination i mean european union is really uh lagging on on vaccination of like its population it is and now they want to buy uh, vaccines from Russia and maybe they don't want to kind of mess up it because I mean they, they really want to probably open up European Union uh, to the summer season you know because like you need tourists they need money so it's like maybe that's why they're not really active in um, blaming you know kind of Russia it's interesting maybe yeah I mean, possible um, very possible explanation yeah so I guess yeah I guess that's it I guess we kind of covered all the points I think so um, nothing nothing to discuss here uh and but i guess we'll return to this point if something happens or for sure if if something happens maybe if in a while not in, in the future all right then um uh, uh rate us subscribe to our channels and i guess see you soon see ya